This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And listeners, we're dealing with questions about God's will and what, what God is doing. The question is this, why do I still feel shame even though or even when I know God has forgiven me? Shame off you, Tim. Shame, 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 shame off shame, you. Shame, shame. <laughs> I heard a sermon recently called "Shame Off You." Shame off you. That was that was funny. Let's <laughs> let's uh, distinguish, g- generally speaking, between guilt and shame. I'm going to kind of step out of maybe the the pure 100. percent Every time the Bible uses this word, that's what they mean. I'm going to kind of talk about the way we commonly would use the terms of yeah, guilt, the way we would understand and these. shame. So shame, I-, I would say, is a tool of Satan. I, to shame somebody is to h- hold their sin over their head and to crush them with it, to constantly mm-hmm. uh, remind them of their inadequacies. Shame leads to despair. And so why do I still feel shame? Let's just highlight this word from them. We'll come back to that. Let's contrast, though, shame with guilt. Guilt mm. is a move of the spirit, right? Yeah. Guilt is not a bad thing. When you feel guilty, you've either violated the heart of the spirit or maybe a cultural code. Either way, our bodies are wired to experience guilt. Guilt is corrective. Guilt moves you to action. Guilt leads to repentance. Mm -hmm. Ongoing guilt is a problem, especially if you've been forgiven of something, right? But that's when guilt becomes shame. Guilt becomes shame when you're not able to release it. So I, I came up with four reasons why I think people still feel shame. Uh, number one is, and, and some people are not going to like this, but um, some people love to beat themselves up. Like yeah. emotional, spiritual masochism mm-hmm. is I've, very real. I've met a few people like that. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But yeah. I have met those people that just feel like they have to constantly put themselves down and beat themselves up. And I'm never good enough. Nobody will love me. It's never It's never good enough. I'm never going to approve. I'm never going to like meet and, their expectations. I'm really ugly. I'm like, wow. People. Yeah. And, and it's like, are you trying to create your own penance? What, I mean, what, what's going on? Right. And some people believe they deserve it. So on the one hand, I have compassion because that is a cycle and a disorder that is really hard to pull yourself up out of, especially if you've spent your whole life living in that. And oftentimes people who are in that frame have been shamed for a very long time. Like people who grew up with moms and dads that are just so abusive and oppressive to them Mm -hmm. oftentimes grow up. One of the byproducts of that is they grow up with self-shaming constantly. Yeah, because they don't have a parent standing over them doing it in their place. Right. I didn't grow up with shame over my head. I mean, I did a lot of dumb things, but shame (laughs) was not constantly barraged over me. So like I didn't grow up with like growing this perverted muscle of self-infliction of of wounds, right? The reasons could be endless, but I think it's, even though I have compassion on it, it is sin. Mm. It it is, it is shin. It is sin (laughs) to declare something over myself that is contradictory to what God declares over me. So um, some people love to beat themselves up and, and that for all different reasons, and, and sometimes the harder your life is and the more abused you are, this is one of those byproducts. Yeah. And part of healing and redemption there is is for your mind and your heart to agree with God on how he sees you. That's right. huge. Number two is some people just don't understand forgiveness and the cross adequately. If you grew up in a oftentimes a Roman Catholic background, there's this idea that Jesus died for your sins and now you have to fill up what's lacking. And so Jesus paid for your sins like 98%, but you still got 2%. And and so like this idea that God is is still punishing you for your sins, um, that the cross of Christ did not uh, decisively fully 100% deal with it. 
some people feel shame because they actually haven't killed the sin. So like, yes, it's something they did, but it's still something that's a part of their life. Mm. And so what they're doing is opening up their life to number one, guilt of the Holy Spirit, but also number two, when we have unrepentant sin, that's an open door for the evil one to cast condemnation onto us. Right. I would say some people are just it's like, you know, when you, you do something bad and you feel bad and you repent, but you know you're going to do it again. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people yeah. in there. And yep. I would say they probably still experience it that. And finally, the last one would be sometimes the consequences are ongoing and painful. It's just really yeah. hard. And so you are every day, you have to look the people in the face that you hurt. You know, yeah. maybe you cheated on your spouse and uh, he or she left you. And now you have to regularly deal with the consequences with your children and your yeah. finances. And it feels like God is heaping shame upon shame. But in reality, it's, uh, as you say, the natural it, consequences of of sin when we yeah. make decisions. You know, if somebody came in and they asked you this question, Tim, like, what would you tell them? The passage that I go to is John 8.32, where Jesus is talking to the Jews and he's telling them about his teaching and, and that if they're really his disciples. And then he makes a statement. He says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I know that he's talking about there his teaching, but in a specific application to this passage is, what does Jesus say about the forgiveness of your sin? If you have truly asked him to forgive your sins, to come into your life, to make you the best you can possibly be as following him and to, to forgive your sin. We've got the passage in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we need to go back to the truth of Scripture. If we have done those things, then Christ has forgiven us. And again, the consequences don't necessarily go away. Just because we're forgiven doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences. But the truth of it is, he has forgiven us if we have asked him to forgive Mm us. And what I would say to someone is, have you truly asked Jesus to forgive you of this sin? And if so, then you need to trust in the truth of Scripture that he has forgiven you. You have to release yourself from that burden of shame. Shame is definitely a tool of the devil. Shame is a a way to put people down, to hold them down. It is, to me, the absence of grace. You got to come back to what does scriptures teach about forgiveness and grace? And we know what it teaches. Love it. What's next on our docket? Next question is, is it wrong to pray that people who have done great wrongs be punished? (laughs) I can't wait for this one. Oh, 